suppose it's a push for moving on. In time, the sun's gonna shine on me nicely. Sun tells me. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, as always, this is... Abe, hello! Aaron, how are you? You know what? I'm still doing pretty well. Okay. Coming off a, coming off a high after uh, some some fun that we just had here, and uh, now we're going to have some more fun over here. <laughs> You're in, telling... In one, of the most, one of the most fun movies of the year. I wow. Think the I mean, I think that's what, of... that's, uh, that's what your poll quote, right? That's that's definitely what I should have wrote for my book. <laughs> one, one of the most fun times you'll have watching. Let me, let me ask you an inside baseball question. Inside baseball question. Sure. Do they ask you what you would want to write on a pull quote, or they just read your article? And they're like, "This one sounds good." No, that that's that is actually the latter is mainly how it's okay. done, with some exceptions depending on how high you are in the kind of critical atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Where they just like they'll either it'll go two ways. They'll either email you. Um, to ask like, what are your thoughts on this film? Uh-huh. And they can then they can possibly pull statements out of that for a potential whole quote, or yeah. they do go through your review and find statements that you wrote and ask and if they could use a modified version of a sentence as part of the whole yeah. quote. Where the like, where you might write something like, oh, uh, Ant Man and the Watch is uh, boring but exciting, and then they'll just write exciting, Aaron Newer. Well, the the running joke I've had for a while is that I kept using the word hilarious and they kept pulling that word for a few things that i've written hilarious specifically so it's like that's that's my catchphrase barely hilarious amazing uh, be- before before i got what my favorite one so far which is for of course scary stories to tell in the dark which is a cinematic page turner love it bravo <laughs> bravo yeah. i love that um that, yeah man clapping spelled... in his seat right now bravo what well, hasn't helped us that they've spelled my name wrong for most of these um but um <laughs> they got it right for one of them so they're, you know, they're spelling your name e-r-h-e-n aaron no they get they get the first <laughs> no, name right yeah, for some reason <laughs> it's just I, it doesn't matter yeah still. we'll fix it one day um, but let's see. Out Now is a film podcast. Our AMS guest newbies weekly. Uh, we also have these special bonus episodes, and this is one of those. We are doing, once again, another one-off review with a couple segments in between as well. Uh, and this week, we are talking Emancipation, the, the latest film coming out on Apple starring Will Smith and directed by Anton Fuqua. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do nice. uh, this week here. Uh, before we get to all that, let's uh, let's do some Out Now Quickies. Trademark. Trademark. It's pretty good. Happy with it. Yeah. Um, well, we do a little back and forth here. Yeah, let's uh, do it. Why don't you start, Abe? What have you seen? In true Abe fashion, where I start something and I don't finish it yet, I have been watching a Christmas story Christmas oh, on okay. HBO Max. This is the new movie that has been released for this holiday season, written by P- Peter Billingsley, who famously played Ralphie in the original movie. Um, and this one takes place still like it, it takes place 30, 40 years after he's grown up. So it time like period, early, early 80s, late 70s. It's like it's yeah. like the late 60s, maybe like early 70s. So uh, everything true to that. That's actually a really neat detail that they have there of just, hey, this is not modern day because he'd be dead uh, or he'd be like 80 years old. Um, so be he's, old. Exactly. I think he's playing like in his 40s in this movie. Um, but um, I, I've watched like 30 minutes of it so far. It's 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 better than I thought, but I haven't finished the movie, obviously. But uh, it's better than I thought because I thought it was just going to be, here's an old play and all these jokes that you've seen from A Christmas Story. And it's not. It, it actually has like its own little arc and its own little movie that yeah. um, it's trying to fulfill. So I'm 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 happy about that, but I'm curious to see where they, they go from there. They have reached his mother's house, who is sadly not played by his mother in the first movie, which I think she'd be very old. But um, yeah, that's where she's I am. still around. Uh, what's up? exactly? Brian, I looked it up. Yeah. Um, Melissa, Melissa Dillon. Yeah, um, she's still around. But they, but they got Julie Haggerty, who's you know more spry. Yeah, <laughs> take it as far as she's acting a lot and everything. Right. So, so I will um, say, if you like the first thirty minutes, I do think the film sticks the landing. So if you're already okay. enjoying it, you're not going to stop enjoying it. Yeah, well, take. I'll tell you in three months when I finish it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just in time for uh, St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, How about you? What's your first? Uh, I have watched the Eternal Daughter. Uh, this okay. is a new film from director Johanna Hogg, um, who's working with Tilda Swinton in two roles, uh, playing both a mother and her daughter. Yeah, um, very they, good trailer. 
it is a good trailer, good poster too. Really mm-hmm. cool. Um, this is it's weird to call it like oh, it's not a horror movie, but it's kind of a ghost story. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's like a gothic drama. It'd be the best way to put it. And uh, it's it's great. I I, should, I shouldn't put that aside. This movie's great. I, mm-hmm. I think it's really really good. Uh, Tilda Swinton has just worked with Hog Hog on um on uh the the souvenir and the souvenir part two where she played the main character's mother and now they've combined again for like this film and I was like I I was expecting something like interesting at least because you have Tilda Swinton playing dual roles and you know just being interesting mm-hmm. in a film that's made this way. But like I was taken aback by just how good it is. It has these elements that make it somewhat emotional. It has some really strong it's one character, it's one person, but a really strong dual performance from Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's made to resemble like an old like gothic horror kind of film. It has this sort of 70s look to it, and it's like shot on I think 16 millimeter, maybe what? I it's very grainy. It might yeah, have just been the fact wow. that it's a DVD as opposed to oh. something. So, so I don't know if like that, but like it's weirdly like that kind of added to the quality of it. Because I was gonna say to... like because from the trailer, there's like some nighttime sequences like that would add to the the atmosphere. It's go. It's aiming for a certain kind of atmosphere, which made me think. Yeah. I think this is shot on sixteen millimeter, but okay. regardless, it's a good looking movie as terms of that aesthetic goes. Um, it's deliberately paced, but I was still just felt like I. I turned it on thinking I'll watch like half of this now and then finish it up later because I was just kind of tired and I was just mm-hmm. ta- I was into it the whole time like I just I, I re- and it's only like 90 minutes but I really enjoyed this movie I thought it was really well, well done and where the story goes is not necessarily unobvious or like super twisty but I appreciated why it has the arc that it has right so yeah I really like the eternal daughter what's next for you uh, in a passion, I haven't seen this movie, but I started it because of a new trailer that came out here. But I started watching a man called Ove, not Otto. I actually watched this again. I saw it before, but I rewatched it again. So <laughs> nice. I, I'm up to speed on man yeah. called Ove. <laughs> I, I've heard of this. This is like, uh, was it Norwegian or? It's Norwegian. It was up for best uh, foreign in film back in 2015 and yeah. also best makeup. Uh, yeah. Two Oscar and I, I know that it is a, a movie that, um, has come and gone in terms of just the, the time that it was released. But, uh, you know, sitting in theaters, uh, as we do every week, and you're watching all these trailers, and I, I saw this trailer for a man, I guess they're calling it a man called Otto. Um, and I was like, why does this look and feel like a movie that I've heard and, and maybe seen before? And sure enough, it was like, well, it's based off of this this movie here, and we just changed it for this audience. And so I wanted to go back and see uh, this original movie, and so far, so good. Like I'm about like you know 15 minutes into the movie here, not too far along, but at the same time, I can see where there is a certain European movie making mentality about it. If that makes any sense to people who watch movies, that. yeah. And I I really appreciate that about it. So. You know, I do I look forward to watching a man named Otto? Maybe, but I kind of just want to watch this one first so that I can inform myself for watching that one later. I will say that the the story has a a quality about it where I got myself more excited for Otto than I was before mm. I rewatched Ove. Okay. Like that, that doesn't make me think it's gonna be any better, especially since it's directed by Mark Forster, a director I'm not a big fan of. Um, mm. but you know what? It's Tom Hanks. Like, what am I gonna do? Be mad. i'll just hope for the best uh, from it yeah um i watched god's creatures um not to be confused with god's country or mad god but i did complete (laughs) the god trilogy when it came to movies this year um but god's creatures this is from director uh anna rose homer who directed the fits a few years back a movie i really really like um, it's co-directed by her as well as Sayla Davis, who also worked on the Fitz as like a producer slash writer. Uh, so basically, they've reteamed to make this movie God's Creatures. It stars Emily Watson um, as a worker in a small fishing village whose son, played by Paul Mescal, who's in After Sun also mm-hmm. recently, uh, he comes back into town and drama happens. Um, this is... I guess it's like a psychological drama. Like it's not really a thriller. It's just more of a drama, but it's very much playing head games with you as far as how it's choosing to unfold the story that it's telling. Um, and it's very effective. Um, it's it's a really well acted movie. It's really well made as far as capturing the kind of the life of a, a small a small fishing town. It's set in modern times, by the way. Interesting. Just to note that. Okay. And 
it's very absorbing. Uh, I was very much into the story it's trying to tell as far as this kind of mother and a it's weird to say like screw up some but like he, he's not the best <laughs> he's, he's the kind of guy where it's like there's probably a reason he left town to begin with and now he's back here um but it the way the story unfolds and what it's trying to do as far as the other characters and these people's family and in this town involved like if we watch something like Banshees of Inishirin which is very funny and has some interesting thoughts on life or what have you this is more like on the dark end of that spectrum as mm-hmm. far as a kind of a small village affected by the relationship going on between two people. Hmm. And uh, it's very worthwhile. Very, very good. God's okay. creatures. Okay. I have one, two, I have like four more. I've only got one left and then the okay. rest is yours. Okay. True to a uh, holiday season fashion. I watched home alone, which we don't have to talk about very deeply. I just watch it every year. Uh, Cause it's my delightful movie, and I know that Aaron is a bigger fan of the second movie. But hey, man, <laughs> you can't knock the original. Any, any new takeaways from Home Alone? Um, no, except that I'm getting better at how much the pizza actually costs, which is <laughs> you know dollars and fifty cents. But then the, he says nice tip, so I guess you must have given him like forty dollars extra tip. That's one hundred sixty one dollars, man. That's that's a lot of money. The price of pizza also surprisingly has not really gone up since 1980, 1991. <laughs> so good job. Yeah. It's pizza. a pretty, pretty consistent market. Yeah. Feeding America. Um, I'll do two of these fast and two of these yeah. a little more detailed. First is on Argentina, 1985. Okay. Um, this is a true story set in Argentina. It's about a lawyer who took on, uh, basically took on a, a, the people involved in a, dictatorship that actually went to civil court for like the first time something mm-hmm. like that happened um it's from the same people that brought that did um the secret in their eyes the oh Argentine okay version, yeah, the original one yeah yeah which which one for best uh foreign language film back in right like 2012 or something like that yeah um this one this movie it's it's fine like it, it's good it's a good movie it's on prime right now it's easy to watch um yeah. it, it I think it, you know, for a courtroom drama set in Argentina, I was fascinated just by what that legal process is like because it's. I, I just find it neat to see what courtroom movies look like in other countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with like Saint Omer from France, one that I watched a few weeks ago. Uh, so it's, it's it's good. It's a solid watch. Um, I also watch Good Night Oppie. This is the documentary that's on Prime about okay. the rovers that they sent to Mars um, along oh. like a while back. And now like, the message. Now that title makes sense. Yes, and it's it's really involving as far as telling you like the story of what these rovers went through, the people involved with them, and like tracking that journey that lasted for like a good long time before mm-hmm. they finally, you know, basically just stopped. Working. The battery stopped running. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they, it's cool because it's a combination of talking heads and like you know footage from NASA and what have you, mixed with like a lot of really solid like CG work to depict what it seemed what it could be like with these rovers on mars um so i found that pretty neat like it's it's a neat approach to Mm -hmm. this story as far as making what amounts to like the wally version of a documentary i was gonna gonna ask you (laughs) like uh was there singing in the rain in this one (laughs) uh i mean there is this thing where like the nasa people like every morning they choose like a new song to like get pumped to which is kind of fun (laughs) fun. yeah yeah but it's solid It's it's a good doc okay um Speaking of documentaries, an even better doc, a movie that I, I really enjoyed, um, yeah, especially given the movie we're talking about today, um, is called Descendant. Um, this is on Netflix. This is about the descendants of the, the of the from the people that survived the the Clotilda, which is the last slave ship that carried Africans to uh, to, to the United States. Mm-hmm. It's 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 this mix of like a kind of an adventure as far not adventure but it's like this kind of discovery mission because they people have been trying to find this slave ship because it was basically like the the slave ship came over and it was illegal at the it was after slavery had ended but like someone some rich white guy was like i'm gonna do it anyway brought (laughs) went to went to africa brought back slaves and then burnt the ship down to destroy the evidence essentially so like that ship is still somewhere out there um and that's part of the plot of this movie but it's also just dealing with the people that are the descendants of these of these particular enslaved peoples, mm-hmm. um, and it's a re- and it that goes on both sides. You have you know you have plenty of black people you know going over 
what it means in their history and like what's going on and where they live and what have you, along with a few of the white people that are descendants of these slavers and like dealing and dealing with having that in their history and you know genuinely feeling terrible about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but with all that said, like it's not depressing. Like this is a PG documentary. It's very much meant for just enlightenment and education in a good way. Like it's 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 a well done doc for one thing. Like it's well made. It's it's a mix of like talking head stuff and like what you see in general documentaries. But I do think it knows how to filter in footage from different time periods well. It captures the kind of the tone of the of what's going on in this particular town really well. It's a, it's a really solid watch. So I'd certainly recommend it, uh, descendant on Netflix. Nice. Okay. That sounds very fascinating. It it really is. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing I'll mention is EO. Um, this is Poland's entry uh, into for, you know, Oscar consideration this year. Uh, it is about a donkey, a donkey named EO. That's why and, it sounds familiar. You sent me an email about this. <laughs> Yes, I did. I sent you sorry because I want you to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is. I, I honestly, I thought this was a documentary at first that was just about a donkey or something. So that, like, I'm sure Marcus Robinson would be like, "I gotta see this," <laughs> um, but but it's not the case. It is a narrative. It is a narrative film that, that uses a donkey as the central character. What? It essentially transfers from like a circus to different owners to different parts of the area that it's in. Yeah, we just follow on the donkey and just the people that come into its orbit. This is War Horse um, for Donkey. Kind of, yeah. Except wow. it's not set during World War One. It's set, yeah, you know, yeah. just in random parts of Poland. Just, yeah. Um, but it's really, really good. It's really well shot. It's a uh-huh. really well shot, look, good looking movie. Um, it has some interesting stories that you come across as you move around with this donkey. Interesting. And uh, and it it has a certain factor in it that wraps up the story in a way that. One would kind of expect given the oh, things are like no. it, it's it's good. It is a good okay. movie. Yeah. As far well, it 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 does the job as far as what it's trying to yeah. accomplish. Um and it does it in a, like a pretty tight 80 minutes. Like it's it's that, that, all good. these Polish films, like first Ida, now this. Yeah, Pol- <laughs> yeah Pol- Pol- Polish cinema is really by jam lately. Yeah. What, what was the follow-up to Ida? That's also like um, 80 minutes. Yeah, my, one, my cold, cold war, <laughs> cold war. Yeah, yeah. love cold war. Yeah. Oh, my God. So let me ask you a question here. Yeah, we loved the cow in first cow for best cow aesthetically. Or yeah, best cow. Sorry. First cow. It went to the yeah. moon. Uh, but but uh, for best. No, it cow. is first cow. I mean, it's like best oh. cow of the year. No, that, yeah. no, it, it, no, it is first cow. It, is but first it, was cow. Just saying, yeah. it was best cow that year. It won it that is award. Best cow that year. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. coat, you know, beautiful, like brown, uh, golden coat. Now, yeah. how's the donkey stack up against uh, that cow? It stacks up pretty well. That said, wow. it's a difficult year for best donkey because, of course, we still have Banshees of Inishirin. I know. Yeah. So it, that know, might be it, a Shetland it, pony, though. So, you know, it depends on who you ask. Well, he also has a donkey. He has both. That's true. He does. Have both. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> so it's not just a, it's not a, what I'm saying. is It's not a clear win between EO and Banshees of Inishirin. Like it's competition for best donkey. Wow. It might just okay. be, have to be it might just have to be a tie. Honestly, well, <laughs> That's you know, who mind. do you think is going to win? Write us in over at adamapodcast.gmail.com. <laughs> I mean, yeah, one's going to get support from Colin Farrell, and people love him, so I mean, that's going to help. <laughs> <laughs> and that one was set free by Martin McDonough because it paid for the rest of its life, <laughs> just just to like have a beautiful life eating and grazing along the the, the uh, Irish Highlands. Exactly. But yeah, no, EO, good movie. Good, okay, really, and just interestingly told as far as yeah. this kind of a story goes, so, and a narrative. Okay. In a narrative, yes. Yeah. Okay. I I didn't realize that until I started the movie up. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> this, this doesn't feel like reality. <laughs> I said to myself, this set out design loud, looks very much like a set design. <laughs> I said, oh, I scratched my head. Good okay. On. So that's enough cookies. Right. Trademark. Let's move on now. Let's get to our main review for Emancipation. Give thanks to God. The Lord is with us. What can a mere man do to me? Papa! I will come back to you! You walk the earth because I let you. I'm your God now. 
Slaves are free. We must get to Baton Rouge. Through this swamp. Lincoln's army is there. There are many ways to die in a swamp. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Emancipation. Will Smith is a movie star known for his charm and charisma. He famously turned down working with Quentin Tarantino on Django Unchained, as the two couldn't see eye to eye on the title character. Years later, working in a different direction, Smith has teamed up with director Anton Fuqua to portray Peter, a true-to-life individual made famous due to a photograph of his heavily scourged bare back, which traveled around the world, showing people the true cruelty of American slavery. This is a role not fit for the charming and charismatic Will Smith, but for the more dramatic and serious Will Smith. Emancipation is the story of Peter's escape from enslavement, the chase that ensued, and his eventual involvement in the Civil War, all while on a goal to be reunited with his family. Abe, yes, Smith has certainly been a big story this year. What did you? I, think I haven't really been reading film? the news, so I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Um, but as far as Emancipation goes, you know, I think it's fine. I think that there was a lot of story elements in here that are not really delved into too much. And I think because they had seen this photo from what I'd read here, they'd seen this photo and they kind of just like um, uh, they didn't necessarily make things up about him, but they they added uh, dramatic dramatization to the characterization of, of this character, Peter, um, this person, Peter, I should say. Um, but I think that it kind of delves into a lot of buckets, uh, but none really that felt like they uh, stuck too too well I think on a technical level this movie looks amazing there's a great uh, use of uh, set design there's great use of extras great use of um, camera and filming like they use drone footage in this movie they also do this really interesting thing with like the color correction and the, the coloring of this movie um, where some it mostly washed out but you see some some green some reds um, and some oranges but like on the whole here, I think that there was a, probably a tighter story that could have been told, um, written by uh, Bill College, um, and I think Bill that College, Collage. <laughs> Bill Collage. <laughs> but, sorry, I mistook an A for or an E for an A. I was reverse that, but it, it, I think there could have been an interesting story that that was tighterly tighter told um, about this. Uh, horrific things that happened in the in the American history, and like in, in not to compare it to other things, but I think that there are other stories that give you much more atmosphere, give you much more sense of danger, give you much more sense of um, like sort of the some of the the difficulties. Like this is not to say that Will Smith doesn't go through difficult things in this movie, but I think there's a, this uh, a lightness to it, uh, which I I kind of hope maybe there was give me some more uh depth and meat to it so that's where i, I sort of the emancipation yeah i mean you said it in those last points there as far as there are better stories that know how to delve into this most notably i think is barry jenkins the underground railroad which i, I thought of that too yeah it is a, a massive mistake as far as how amazon chose to just kind of drop it with very Agreed. little fanfare and I'm, I'm glad it won the acclaim that it deserved and won some awards but it's like that there's I'm not going to see a better miniseries than that for a long time. Yeah. I don't feel like regardless, this movie is a giant missed opportunity. Um, it's bad. Hey, <laughs> I don't hate it by any means. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that work about it, but overall I think it is an overlong action movie that misses the point of telling a story like this. Yeah, um, it does. I was just... honestly not sure where you're going to fall on this. Cause we famously don't read each other or I don't read anything, but we famously don't look at each other's, uh, things ahead of time so i was I'm, I'm very uh I'm, I'm like wow okay cool we agree yeah i i mean <laughs> when when you see it you see it and it's like this this doesn't have it <laughs> like yeah. this it's i i get what's going on here as far as you know will smith trying to do something you know that pushes himself in ways that are you know different than what you expect from someone like him but i feel like the the issues that I, you know, it's kind of a worst case scenario for what this could have been, um, where you have Antoine Fuqua here, a director that I think is he's fine, but his realm is very much in kind of B movie action fare. Mm -hmm. Like even like Training Day is not a movie I particularly think is great, 
but mm-hmm. you know it has just a really strong performance from Denzel and you know Ethan Hawke but like right. that movie itself is like yeah, it's fine this falls in that similar category where it just there is there's a lot you can do with the story of the guy whose back was seen around the That's world right. and this one just chooses to make it a generic action movie uh, you know you can add on the fact that it's set during you know times of slavery so yes it's harsh and brutal and ben foster plays typical ben foster bad guy so it's like <laughs> yeah okay it seems serious we'll get to but that at the, but at the end of the day like it you know rather than thinking of something like underground railroad or 12 years a slave i thought more of like mel gibson's the patriot which is another like overlong you know plays fast and loose with history type uh, war film mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't really have much meaning behind it beyond hey there are these good guys and there are these bad guys and we hope the good guys win and that's mm-hmm. really what this movie comes down to it just doesn't know how to tell a story that's more significant than that's right. well this really sucks for this guy but he's going to keep running and keep being the center of attention um, and it's like there's there is a, a, a lot of ways you can tell a story about this character right. um, and like what he's had to go through and it just does very little with that like the chase aspect of this movie makes up so much of it where it's like is there anything else this has to offer beyond but it also feels so short to it too like it takes up a lot of the movie like an hour plus of this movie Mm -hmm. and yet you have no sense of like how long he's been running for like in that sense yes i agree yeah yeah like you know there there are things that he has to do will smith's character peter has to do to stay alive and survive and the people that he talks to and runs into but it, there's no real sense of like this guy has been running for like a week without eating, you know what I mean, or like three days without eating, and he's like so exhausted. Like it doesn't it doesn't really come across, and that's I think what you're also saying. Yeah, I I am. That's it doesn't because it's not really delving into any of this. It's going for the visceral approach to it, which is like okay, that's fine for. Like, that's not something I'm against. Like, if you want to mm-hmm. make an action movie set during this period, I'm not against that. But if you're going to make a 135-minute slavery epic starring Will Smith, like, I I need more than just, like, how cool is the action in this movie? And it's just, it, it's not getting Which, me there. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, do you know what the budget was for this movie? $130 million. That's a lot of budget for this it movie. It is. Now, with that, that that's because you're paying a lot of people and there's no sure. back end because it's yeah, not going it's to the streaming service. Yeah. So it's like, you have to account for that aspect, but even then it's, that's, it's still a costly movie. <laughs> like it's still it a, is wait, quite a costly movie, especially when you take into account something like, I think Scott Mendelson, friend of the show pointed this out, like the, the birth of a nation movie that was made by Nate Parker, mm-hmm. um, regardless of things involving him, um, that movie's made for $9 million. I yes. mean, these aren't that dis- different as far as like the, what you're seeing going on in here. Like, right. It's like $130 million for this movie. It's like, God, that's, that's it is a lot. That's that, so that, much. that surprises me mostly because of what you are able to see in this movie, which is yes, a lot of swampland. They use like a lot of mm-hmm. drone footage. I understand that there's the actors being paid, but there's also a sense of messiness to some of these action sequences, which I get what you're saying with like, you know, this movie is a, is a fairly long action movie. But I felt that there was a little bit incoherent in some of those action sequences where I just didn't. I'd agree. I'd agree. That, yeah, get a yeah. sense of just the scale of things. Like it for for a portion of some of the action sequences with like the the uh, soldiers, I was like, oh well, they're just gonna send the smaller brigade of like twenty five people, and then it just progressively there's just more people being added, and I was like, this. I wish that this felt more epic, um, and it doesn't feel epic, and it actually confuses me as to. Who is fighting what and where? And the, the other thing I I wanted to mention well, about just to, yeah. just just hit on that point a little like the mm-hmm. part of my issue with that is I think it feels that way because it keeps focusing back on Smith as the central figure as opposed to making him you know one person as a part of many. Yes, and by doing that, it reduces the scope and makes it like weird to think this is a there's a massive thing happening. Yes, and. This one man is not the sole reason anything should be like constantly happening the way it does. I think of something right. like like Children of Men does this incredibly well because that movie mm-hmm. rules where Clive Owen is you're certainly following his character, but he is not the cause of everything that's taking place. That's right. Like he is a he is a small part of a much bigger story. Yeah. And this movie dares to be like Peter is 
like anything he does affects everything around what's going on. Like yeah. the, whether it's the slaves running away, whether it's certain aspects of the civil war battle, whether it's big things involving Ben Foster's and his group, like coming after everybody, right. like he is always the focus of attention. And it's yeah. like, that is, and it's, it's distracting. It's and it, and it ruins a lot it, it of, does, actually. of what this yeah. should do for this, for this kind of story. Yeah. Like specifically on that battle sequence that you and I were talking about earlier, that battle sequence, the reason why it distracts me is because there's people advancing and then there's Will Smith's character who, you know, takes like a tumble to some degree. Right. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm watching and I'm on, I'm thinking to myself, like these people are advancing with these people that I barely know. Uh, there's like a, a captain played by uh, Musafa or I'm sorry, Lieutenant played Musafa Shakir, who is very good in here, but I have yeah. no, I have no like attachment to this character because I don't really even know what this person's about or what they've done. I've kind of just seen them for like two minutes and all of a sudden I have to follow this person through this battlefield. And, you know, because of that, there's just no sense of like, Oh, well the stakes are like this high or what have you. Um, you and I talked about uh, an animated movie just this past week earlier this past week about Pinocchio. And there are stakes in that movie from puppets where there and boys in that movie where I just felt much more uh, aware of the danger that they that was going to precede them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this movie kind of like just fails in that regard. So, yes, I you, you uh, astutely pointed out that there are situations where it becomes extra confusing because it has to follow this character. And that character mm-hmm. cannot be the impetus for all these things to happen because that just historically is inaccurate. Here's what I will say. And I didn't write this movie and I'm not a movie maker. And I know that movies making movies is hard. Um, but I will say that there have been t- other movies that have been made about historical events where they have taken on this dramatization where they have basically just enveloped a lot of characters into one character and told yeah. that story. The example I'm thinking about here is Zero Dark Thirty, where like Maya yeah. is not one person. Maya is multiple people, but they just put that into one person and that drove the story with historical elements, right? And that's a very fascinating thing to do. You mentioned uh, your movie and like that's actually a good example too of just how you can incorporate things into a character so that they can compel you to the next thing and then also make you feel like there's much more at stake. For sure. Uh, I, you know, there's plenty of great examples of movies that know how to, you know, show the smaller cogs yeah. uh, or, you know, or, or yes, make these kind of amalgamations of people that help provide a framework without, you know, enveloping the story in a way that's going to make it just distractingly and, and weird that there's only one person that somehow is involved in every single aspect of something that's going on. Mm-hmm. This movie just doesn't get how to make that better. With that all in mind, I will say, I do think Smith is very good here. Mm-hmm. I, I I do think he, he I, I would go as far as to say I think he's better here than he is in King Richard because I think that wow. movie as much as I think he's good in it and I like much as I like that movie more, which I certainly do, I, I do think there is somewhat of a reliance on well, he can do a voice and kind of make himself you know seem I a certain way. Yeah. Where this he has to he has less to do as far as like you know, committing on a dialogue level and what have you. There's a lot of expression. There's a lot of physicality in this role. There's a lot of introspection that you have to see, like, in his face and in how he's deciding to take certain kinds of action. I think that kind of stuff works really well. Like, I guess it's not it's not hard to understand, like, why he would take a role like this. I, I like mm-hmm. that Smith has taken a lot of challenges in recent years um, as far as just doing things that, you know, challenge his own yeah, persona. Yeah, that he or just previously decided not to do. Yeah. yeah, like he's he's certainly in a place where he's already accomplished everything that one can to be successful in this world. Right. Like, what what else can I do now? Right. And so I do think he's taken this opportunity to do something like that. I just wish this script and honestly this direction was just yeah. pushed in a different way that would have done more with who he's playing and what he's yeah. supposed to represent. So I want to talk about the script a little bit more and then tie it into some of these characters as we uh, move through it. I, I agree with you that the script is pretty shallow um mm-hmm. and i think this is what ties into like this ben foster rule is ben foster supposed to see this menacing threat in this movie every time you see him on the screen i mean he's first of all introduced as like this you know ridiculously like mean guy uh who goes to oversee this railroad build and he's he's met on the screen with like menacing music and every time he's on the screen you hear menacing music um the way that his character progresses through this movie and the way that his character uh, arcs, 
is just handled very like this is a misuse of what you just set up in the first like 45 minutes of this movie. Um, Cause I think that Ben Foster as much, as much as like Aaron loves him hamming things up, he does ham things up a little bit, but also Ben Foster can bring a certain level of menace. Have you not seen um, what's the movie with Chris Pine? What hell or high water? Hell or high water. Yeah. Have you not seen hell or high water where he's like a menace to his brother and but he also brings like this level of like weird charm or any other Ben Foster movies where he's also doing the same thing. But I I would uh say that Ben Foster is not he's not, it's not he's misused, he's not miscast. It's just that there was nothing really for him to do except yeah. for always catch Will Smith very closely. I I was tell I watched this movie with my sister and I was remarking to her at points. I was like I don't understand how Will Smith can keep running away. And yet here they are like on his heels. Like here's the next segment. Just like here, like he's there. You know what I mean? It's like this, this like from a writing conceit standpoint, you're making this too convenient for this bad guy to catch up. And so there's no tension. Like there's, there's hardly a, there's no like, okay, well, you know, I did all these things to cover my tracks or these people that he meets along the way. I've talked to them and maybe there's like some bumps in the road. Kind of like, no, Ben Foster's just immediately there with like with his goons. And even his goons, to some degree, are very flat as well, because there's one character in particular that Will Smith has this interaction with later that I was like, I can't believe that you guys just wrote it this way, um, because Django and Chain handled it much better. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, no um nothing what you said is false right there. I I, I agree with you. It's again there's just like there's yeah. chances this thing could take and it just refuses to that's actually an interesting point of chances yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, for being a movie that's about slavery and is rated r it doesn't take the opportunity to use that to benefit the story that it could be telling and instead tells a more you know plain and very focused version of what this could be that's just mm-hmm. not that interesting and yes it leaves characters by the wayside in the process you talk about ben foster I'd, I'd also say, like, the fact that his goal is to find his wife and family, but they're mostly an afterthought. Like, they don't right. they don't amount to much of anything beyond these are characters that we're eventually supposed to meet again. What's, and it's yeah. like, sure, there's something there as far as, cool, we got a glimpse of them, I guess. But it's like, again, like, show us what you're fighting for. Like, to, yeah. to do anything to like, get us in, in, in more in line with like, with what's going on here. Yeah, and I think that's kind of also where the script falls short is, again, the script is trying to do a lot of things. So one of them is, hey, Peter trying to get back to his family. Okay, well, let's also, like, have cutaways to his family also trying to survive without him and the struggles that those, like, that, that separated families go through, right? Okay, well, that's not really, <laughs> you didn't really go into that at all there's like one sequence where uh his wife has more screen time with his family right um and then again we talked about ben foster already but then we also talked about like uh, there's uh, a character actor which you definitely have seen because he's very familiar paul ben victor um yeah. and he is a character actor that you again have 100 seen but he has some interesting things to say about you know what is freedom and what have you and that kind of falls by the way said as well you also have Roy from The Office, played by David Denman. Uh, I'm sorry, Dave, he's not played by David Denman. David Denman, who plays Roy from The Office, plays uh, a soldier in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that has some interesting dialogue too, but that also doesn't go anywhere because this. I feel like the writer just doesn't really know what to say in these things because there's also an element of religion in this movie. That I was going to hit on that too, yeah. yeah where... I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, it's like the a big part of this character that Smith is playing is the fact that he's a devout believer in God. Like despite Mm -hmm. the fact that they're living in literal hell, he is, he is so committed to the fact that God is going to show them the way he's going to, you know, God, God will guide them. God will do what, what needs to be done uh, to, to help these people. Great. That's a great thing to say. Show more strife, show more, inner conflict that you must go through in order to deal with the fact that horrible things are happening to you yet you still have this belief show me anything yeah. that conveys the fact that you have this strong faith and the movie just doesn't know how to engage with this that's right it's uh and again it's a long movie like there it's is so much like time to 10. do all, yeah. all this and it doesn't it's just like let's have another action scene let's have will smith fight an alligator like what <laughs> 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 
understand that does choices. happen in the movie if you're listening yeah. yes and it's ridiculous like <laughs> I'm, you know he's got a yeah, knife <laughs> let me tell you i am all for a person fighting an alligator in a movie give me that <laughs> 10 times a movie great but <laughs> this movie feels like the problem i have with these kind of things is the movie it seems to want to convey that it's important it seems to want yeah. to like it seems to want you to feel like by the end of this thing, you saw something special. You saw something that's that, right. That just makes you feel like, man, this was this was some tough times. We really yeah. got to reconcile this with our understanding of American history. We need to appreciate what slavery meant for America. And like we need to give Will Smith and Anton Fuqua fucking just jars and jars of of gold to praise what they've been doing of all these awards or what have you. And it just it's not that movie. Yeah. Like it, it it is it isn't it is a B movie at best. That yeah. happens to have this historical context that it has nothing it wants to say about. It's like, ah, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, and in, in, even if it doesn't have anything to say about these hugely, you know, topical things, it also doesn't really have this incredible story that to tell either. Like this, this dramatized story to tell. Because you mentioned like the the narrative arc of Peter and then getting back to his family. That's not very uh, like that doesn't last very long on the screen. You don't really see a lot of it. One thing I wanted to mention earlier is um, I told my sister this too. There's a lot of like uh, telling me and not showing me, which is what you're mentioning. There's just a lot of like Will Smith saying, you know, when he's talking about his his religion to his um, comrades um, as they're trying to escape. You know, sometimes if you leave it a little bit more ambiguous, the audience will definitely understand what you're doing and it's felt much more throughout the movie um and in this movie it's just very on the nose a lot of things and that is unfortunate because i don't know i don't know if it could have been written better or if it was just like you know the way that they want it to be but i i think that there's just some flaws there i i did want to ask you about the technical aspects of things what did you think about the 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 direction of the camera and how things looked and and what have you like the color choices. Thank you for asking me this question because I have thoughts. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Robert Richardson is a great cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Um, he has worked on a lot of very good movies. He's worked a lot with Scorsese and Tarantino as of late. Um, I I don't think he is to blame, but I do not like the choices made visually for this film. Um, not a matter of the, like color. How, the coloring yeah. specifically, yes, which is not necessarily entirely on Robert Richardson. Mm-hmm. He's just pointing the camera. That's not what he's doing. He's doing a lot more than that. <laughs> right. It's a lot more complicated. It's a lot but, of lighting. Yeah. But the the choice was clearly made from a you know a directorial standpoint That's that right. they wanted to make a movie that was very, fairly devoid of color. Um, that is interesting in theory. Justify it. Um, it feels very showy for the sake of showiness uh, which is something I was afraid of watching these trailers as far as okay that's interesting what's this choice supposed to be for on like a broad level I get it as far as you know the the black and white and what have you like there's ways you can explain that in ways that make a level of sense but in Mm -hmm. terms of if I'm going to watch a long movie like this that would presumably look beautiful shot in full color, uh, just given where they are. And that fact that, again, you have Robert Richardson shooting it. Right. Um, if you're going to rob me of all that, I want this to mean something. And I don't think it accomplishes that, that it doesn't help that I already just wasn't digging the movie to begin with. So, like, <laughs> yes. I'm going to like, <laughs> I'm going to start picking apart the other things about it. But at the same time, it's like you made these choices and I'm not responding to them. This is one of those ones I'm not responding to. I do think the, the, it's not, you know, black and white. It is just, washed out com- almost completely so yes you do get hints of color right. and i curious if you thought this too it did seem like certain elements were more tweaked than others right it felt 100%. like colors were coming out in some instances yeah and the problem i have with that is it felt wildly inconsistent to me i never got a sense as to why certain scenes felt more rich than others right so yeah i had issues so let me uh aaron mentioned that the shot by robert richardson here's some select filmography once upon a time in hollywood the hateful eight (laughs) hugo django unchained the kill bill series that's just like a sampling of what george or robert richardson has has shot so he has a good eye for these things here's what here's what i was worried about and why i'm glad that it it ended up not being this i thought it was gonna be a gimmick of mm-hmm. it progressively adds more color as the movie progresses uh-huh. and then finally full on color 
at the end because of the fullness of richness of being with his family. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, that would have been a gimmick that I would have been like, this is a terrible directing choice. And I didn't direct this movie and I know that it's hard, but I'm just saying that that would have been so gimmicky that it would have, it would have left a distasteful uh, feeling for me. I'm just like, that was, that was lame. Like why there was like no other reason. I definitely agree with you that, Hey, I wish that there was an understanding of why, most of the people are grayed out and it certainly felt like some scenes. There's like a scene where I think this may be what you're talking about too, but one example where Ben Foster and his team are on horses, the sun is like to the left and it's like either sun setting or what have you, but it feels like they've, they've color corrected to gray them out. And then it, they left like everything else, like green and, and, and uh, orange. I don't know why they chose that either. Um, I, you know, one scene where it was effective was, I guess, the blood on the leaves, which is fine. Yeah. yeah. But I agree with you that there was no real like, oh, well, the reason why it looks like this is this. Like, not saying that you have to tell me, but if you're not really using it for a, um, like a storytelling element, um, then it kind of just it doesn't distract, but it, it makes, I think, maybe hopefully gives people like you and I and people watching this a little bit of pause, you know, like other things that have happened that I can point to, you know, something that Robert Richardson also shot uh, when Beatrix kiddo is fighting the crazy 88 at one point, it turns into black and white. And you're just thinking to yourself, what is happening? Like, but I dig it. And then it, it, she blinks and all of a sudden it turns into blue, you know, black lit blue. And it's just this really cool sense of visual storytelling to add to really something that, that's going on in this movie. Less so. Yeah, it just it 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 just it again. It feels like this is the kind of choice that's made to signify the importance of what's being said here, and it's like mm. I just I'm not feeling that level of importance here. Got it. Based on the the, the entirety of this movie that I've just yeah. watched, and it's a shame because well, it's like yeah. these these are I like I don't I don't not appreciate the fact that there are ideas at play. There are stuff that they're trying to do. They're experimenting with stuff like that's good. Like yeah. this is not this is by no means a terrible movie. There's too yeah, much effort yeah. being put into this that I can respect. It just doesn't add up to a whole yeah. lot. Which is you know what a movie is that I thought about when I was watching this movie as well, uh, hmm. and why it it dawned upon me again when you said, you know, if some of this was shot in color, it would have looked nice. A movie that I I I had a good time watching because it was hilarious, uh, even though it was a drama. Where the crawdads sing. That okay. movie is. Yeah. Like it, it is well shot. It is well shot. And again, there's beautiful shots of bayous and swamps and lakes and the South in that movie, you know, the wispy trees, what have you, you know, there's a lot there and you can see that here just with the cinematography, like the wide shots of, of the locations, but it just doesn't feel like there's a one point where, where Wilson has to get into a canoe. And I was thinking to myself, like, this is crazy because this looks like it's not even a real lake that he's in front or behind, you know, like it, it's like, they just shot it still. And then they like added water and then they like, they, they, um, what's that, that Disney thing where they just, um, the volume, the volume, like it looked like a volume type thing where, you know, it's an old movie trick where, you know, you shoot something for real and they just like backlight things. Um, or I'm sorry, they just like put it up behind you. Uh, but yeah, it, there's like a lot of weird things that happened here. I want to ask you about some of the uh, Academy Award consideration for this movie because you did say Will Smith is pretty good in there, and I, I'd have to agree. There's like some instances where it kind of he he fresh princes me a little bit. Um, but I, what are your thoughts on the awards consideration for this movie? I mean, if you were to subtract the whole factor of Will Smith being a controversial figure in the realm of Oscars, I do think he'd be a strong consideration, especially okay. because just the actor lineup right now is not that heavy. Um, it's it's so it's he, there's a world where he could fall in line and being one of the contenders for best actor nomination. Yeah. Um, I think because of the nature of how these things work, because there is obvious cinematography and most cinematography that often takes the place of best so i would see i could see this being on like that short list not necessarily okay. making it but i certainly think that that's something they want to champion because it seems like it's great therefore it has to be in the conversation that's kind of where it goes there yeah um outside of that i don't know you know okay. some technical so stuff acting here. and technical things yeah. so technical stuff here or there yeah i'm sure right. you know there are things that are considered it's just there's also just 
a lot of stuff. I mean, when you when you can already round out categories of like Avatar, Batman, and Top Gun, it's like okay, there's only so much room oh, for I other. Forgot about all the technicals. Yeah, there's there's only so much there's only so much you can do for other movies. <laughs> like yeah. that, so it's like, and those movies have a lot of money to spend on advertising the fact that hey, we had a lot of great stuff going on as far as our sound so design. That, yeah, that brings goes. me to my my follow point, which is you know Apple had pushed a lot of money in Dakota winning Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and they certainly have a lot of money here too. So that kind of just, but you answered it, which is, I agree with you that there's, I hadn't even thought about it yet for the technical categories, mm-hmm. but you named off like three major movies that are just like, yeah, I, I think light years beyond the technical things that have, that have, uh, this movie has done. So like yeah. in topic of Maverick, I'm like, dude, they use real planes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. As far as like, you know, like best picture, whatnot, like this is their, 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 they are going to submit it. Yeah. Oh, this is the one that they were championing. Like this okay. is the one where it was this, and they had Scorsese's movie, but that got delayed. So this, Mars of the Killer Moon. Yeah. So yeah. that's delayed till next year now. So it's like Apple doesn't have anything else that they can push to this level. Like they have, got they it. have smaller stuff. They have like um, what's it, Cha Cha Real Smooth, but that's more of like an independent spirit kind of movie as opposed okay. to an Oscar-y movie. Right. Um, and then like Causeway with Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry. Um, the actors, oh, right. the actors are the ones that be consideration considered there. But as far as like their big, like you know, all of the awards type of, this is the movie that they're going to pump now because yeah. they have it, and they decided, you know what, Will Smith's Oscar thing be damned. We're going to put all our you know weight behind it because it's the only sure. thing we can show off for Best Picture. I don't think it's going to get that far, mainly because we're not the first people to not like this movie very much. Oh, okay. um, so it's not a, you know, it's it's, but uh, you know. They're still gonna, you know, they're not not going to push it. Got um, it. They're not not going to support the film. Um, it cost them plenty. So yeah, they kind of have to keep going, rolling that ball. Yeah, and it only gets it more attention. You know, it's only going to get more people to watch it, which is ultimately what you want to do, regardless of how you feel about it. You want people to see the movie to begin with. So. Of course, yeah. Every every movie wants a fair chance for sure. Um, and so I'm. And again, like as you know, I'm not going to say rate. We'll get to our rating in a second, I suppose, but. Yeah. I do think there's worthwhile stuff in here. I just wish the movie added up to more than a glorified B action movie. <laughs> yeah. And my final thoughts are, um, I just wish it wasn't as shallow on story yeah. and touching on these. I, I think boldness is a word that you could use. I wish it was more bold and mm-hmm. in like two or three elements of this story than anything I mean, else. I mean, even like the, the, the pivotal one of the, what should be a pivotal scene is when he shows his back. Right. And when they take that picture, and my issue is, okay, so you just got these two white guys saying like the most obvious lines of dialogue in order to get And they're kind of like cringing at it. But beyond that, there's actually one scene where I was like, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen is when he sees a, a house on fire. Mm-hmm. I named everything that happened, mm-hmm. like without even, you know, I'm I'm just like sitting there. I was like, this is exactly what's going to happen in this sequence here. And sure enough, it did. Um, the other last thing I'll say is like, I kind of feel like it's a cinematic cheat when you use fade outs um, hmm. and this movie uses like a few fade outs and then it progresses the story forward. And you're like, I, I don't mind fade outs cause it happens quite a, quite a bit. But when you're trying to tell me like a pretty deep harrowing story, doesn't really work when you're just like, Oh, and then he woke up in a, in a medical hospital, you know, it's like what, or like the battlefield and then let's advance and let's charge. We got to get to those cannons fade to black. And I was like, what so mm-hmm. um not, not my favorite yeah well when should people go and see emancipation it's currently playing in select theaters and it's available to watch on apple tv plus yeah unfortunately this would be on our old scale this would be a cable tv movie um so that's kind of where i am with it yeah i i'd say the same is the kind of thing where for one thing apple has a lot of good stuff <laughs> that right. i would champion and you know more so than including a show called little america that just came back for a second season i really like. oh wow i didn't know um, that. it's it's my, my favorite show on apple and there's a lot of good shows on apple yeah um it's like so the queue gets pretty large for me on apple so this is not this would not fall very high in that mm-hmm. queue um, so yeah, it's that's not one that I race out to go see, but it's certainly available on a streaming service where you can easily easily access it. Sure, just, there's other stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Watch the Underground Railroad. You know that first yeah, episode. Jesus Christ! Yes, watch the Underground Railroad. Yeah. That's what you should do. <laughs> it's it's beautifully shot. Barry Jenkins has a beautiful eye, but also like the way that like there's a needle drop at the end of that episode, that first episode. Mm-hmm. Not what I was expecting, but I was really digging it. You know, like I was expecting like oh they're gonna use like some classical song or 
the huge crescendo, like, you know, the mishmash of like this beautiful things like, nope, they use something very cool. And I was like, this show rocks. Yeah, it's it, it's it's an incredible accomplishment that yeah. I, I hope over time gets discovered more and more for how everything that we're saying is a problem with this movie. That show has done just worlds right. better. Um, all right. Well, that's been our talk of emancipation. Before we wrap up, let's do a little out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where I go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast. We ask a number of questions to our listeners, and they gave us some answers. Uh, the first question here is, what are some great films involving the Civil War? Chris has The Hateful Eight and Ravenous. Philip has The General. How about you, Aaron? Civil War films. I feel like Chris was sucking up to me with those answers because those are <laughs> movies that are set during the Civil War. I mean, Samuel Jackson uh, has a letter from Abraham Lincoln himself. Yeah, and Ravidus. That's I love Ravidus. That's such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a fun, ridiculous movie. Um, and would be a great double feature of Bones and all. Um, you know what? A movie I really like uh, that doesn't get talked about much. Um, uh, Cold Mountain. Oh, I, I, the uh, is that Natalie Portman? She she is in there in a small role. It has a lot of people, but it's it's Jude Law, Nicole Kidman, and Zellweger. Oh, okay, uh, Zellweger. I, I was thinking of um, who's married to Leif Schreiber? Watts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was. Her. was. I was like, miss. I was placing some blonde on the cover of the. <laughs> you got the, the wrong Australian Australian. Got it. Okay. Um, but yes, it, it. But I really liked that movie when it came out. I've only seen it a couple times, but like, and you point out Portman, like it has a lot because it's like. It's basically the Odyssey with Jude Law set during the Civil War because oh it goes on all these. You've adventures. sold me already, like with, he, with that like, description. Yeah, it, it he interacts with a bunch, like because like Philip Seymour Hoffman pops up, Portman pops up, uh, Sutherland, uh, Donald, um, <laughs> what like, what's uh, Giovanni <laughs> Ravisi? Like, there's all these people like they you're that he's like in, in this attempt to get back to his wife or mm-hmm. his his I forget their, if they're married or if they're just like lovers, like okay. whatever. But it's a, it's just a really strong movie. Like it's well made. It's it's very much like Oscar-y movie. But I think it was just done right. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. they just did a great job with it. So um, I'll name the one that's obvious, which is Glory. Uh, pretty great. Um, I will also name one that is kind of more fun and that you don't really think about as a Civil War movie, but uh, Little Woman. Because uh, friend yeah. the show, friend the show, Bob Odenkirk shows Bob up. Bob Odenkirk shows up, and they play. And it. I was like, "What? Who who doesn't like hearing the Avengers audio edited to when Bob Odenkirk enters the movie? It's great." <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been done that. Oh, you haven't seen that? Yeah, no. where they have you have you've seen you, you've seen the clip of like Avengers with the yes, audience, yeah, where, they, where they're all like, yeah. you know, they, rock they, this crowd when when they, they on took your that left. Ex- they took that exact crowd noise and and synced it up to the Bob Odenkirk arrives the little women scene. Amazing. And it's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. It's so funny. I have a question for you. Was there uh what was the Christian Bale movie where he's gotta transport like a prisoner who like killed like, his family or something like that? Well, there's 310 to Yuma, I think you're thinking of. No, it was a different one. Christian where... Bale escorting someone. Yeah, maybe it was Christian Bale. It was like a Native American that he's escorting. Oh, that's the other one. Hostiles? Is that Civil War? It's just like a Western. I don't think okay, it's this is Western. War. Okay, never mind then. Yeah, Hostiles. Yeah, that's the okay. other Scott. He has another. He's it's with Scott Cooper. He's got another movie with Scott Cooper. He's making. He's they did um what's his what's it face the um, <laughs> Appalachian movie with Scott Cooper. He's doing all these Scott Cooper movies. <laughs> the Appalachian movie with yeah Scott the one that Cooper? no the one we like that one that where he's really where he's really good in it with with Casey Affleck. Um, the the out of the furnace. Oh, oh! I was like the uh, the 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 assassination of Jesse James. No, out of the, yeah, oh. out of the first Scott Cooper and Christian Bale. They keep making movies together. I don't oh, like them so far very much. At the, despite the fact that Out of the Furnace I think is an amazing performance of Christian Bale, I think the movie's fine. Yeah, Hostiles I wasn't big on, and now he has the Got pale it. blue eye. And I'm like, okay. Oh, well, at least you guys are yeah. friends. Like, like you guys are doing your thing. He's got a good friend in Christian Bale, man. Let's see. One of the best actors uh, ever. Uh, yeah, Hostiles is New Mexico, 1892. So yeah, after the Civil War. 18, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, good question. Jonathan Majors in them? I forgot I've forgotten Hostiles a lot. Apparently. Really? Like okay. I remember Timothy I remember Timothy Chalamet's in it because he plays French. Um but I forgot Jonathan Majors in those movies. <laughs> Majors. Yeah, now, now I might have to watch this movie again. I'm gonna have to watch it again soon. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll give you an update in nine months. Maybe I'll like it more. Mark Johnson friend of the show loves this movie. Yeah. He thought it was like one of the best of the decade. And I was like, okay. He can name off every uh, best winner uh, ever, probably. Yeah, he probably could. 
Um, what's our next question? What are some great films involving an escape from bondage? Hmm. Very similar answers here. Philip writes Cloud Atlas and Justin writes The Matrix. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Wachowski on the mind. Yeah. I mean, also some really good uh, cinematography and score in them in both those movies. Sure. Yeah. Um, Escape from Bondage. I mean, like I kind of went literal here and I just went with uh, Pulp Fiction. Come on. That's not that's not what I expected you to say, but yes, that's not wrong. <laughs> what, were, what were you thinking? <laughs> like movies about people actually escaping like prisons or slavery or something. So like the defiant ones came to mind. Like I <laughs> Pulp <Fiction>. got it. <laughs> Get the gimp. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Last question here. Uh, name some favorite films that have heavily modified the color and look of the visuals. Todd Lebel has Oh Brother Where Art Thou? And Philip has Roma. Uh, what about you, Aaron? A a color changing palettes that you really like? Uh, Three Kings comes to mind. Um, a okay. movie where they needed to actually put a disclaimer at the beginning of the film to let people know that the coloring had been purposely changed for dramatic purposes because it was such a thing that was not being done before at that point. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one, and also like really good performances from everybody. Yeah, because that movie is um, amazing. <laughs> is that David O. Russell? Yes. Yeah, and he's coming out with a new movie. Well, he did. He's, he's the Am- whale. He's doing. Or, no, that's Darren Aronofsky. He had okay. Amsterdam, which we t- which oh, came out that's already. That's the one. Yeah, you know, it's bad. <laughs> um, yeah, I I mentioned a few others earlier, kind of just in passing, but then one that I think really I enjoy when they go from you know different color paths or what have you, The Wizard of Oz. Which they did in camera. Heard of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty ingenious for the time. I was like, yeah. oh, that's pretty cool. But they just painted everything else grayscale, but it was already in color. Um, Two obvious, or one's obvious, Sin City uh, comes to mind as far as just having yeah, like, yeah, take away his weapon, both of them. <laughs> <laughs> that... So I, I I read Sin City before I saw the movie, like the I, graphic I like, novel. Yeah, I was a big fan of the the Frank Miller series. Yeah, yeah. And you read that in the book, and it's so fucking cool when Hardigan says that. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, yeah. And I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, I want to hear Bruce Willis. There's certain things in that series that I just like couldn't wait to see realized on the big screen. Uh-huh. And that was definitely one of those moments where it's like he's gonna beat the fuck out of this yellow bastard. And he does in the way he was terrible. And he's so in the like God, Willis is so good in that role. And, and you're telling me that he wouldn't make a great Donkey Kong. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like, yeah, he just kills it when he delivers that bit. Yeah, it's pretty good. Weapons. There's so, a lot of like good like zinger liners in that yeah. movie. Uh, the other one was Dick Tracy. Was the other one? Was That's a great one. Yeah. yeah, Dick Tracy. Heard of it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, that's that. Now feedback. 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 And that's going to wrap us up for the this week's bonus episode covering emancipation. Um, you can find more of my work and my personal blog at codezeke.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for We Live Entertainment and Wise the Blue, and I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. Abe. You can find our friends on our Instagram, Abe.mua, and twittercom Moose. Hashtag We've Got to Get to Baton Rouge. Um, everything uh, we do for the podcast ends up on Audio Boom, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Yeah, Podomatic, HTTPLD. We're on the internet. Yep, we're on all the socials: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Please follow us there. And again, on iTunes, please send us an iTunes rating and review. Thank you so much in advance. Uh, next week's show, we are talking Avatar: colon, The Way of Water. Wow. Epic. 13 years in the making, and we've arrived at the next av- the next chapter in the Avatar saga. We are returning to Pandora. You want to play a game real quick? Sure. What do you think it's going to be? It's opening weekend. Opening weekend in America for yes, sorry, yeah, domestic. For, for Avatar, the way of water. Um, I have heard some high reports, and I've heard some low reports, but mainly highs, because that's how it works with James Cameron. Okay. Um, I am going to say Avatar The Way of Water will make 162 million dollars. Wow, that is a bigger number than I was thinking. I, that's that is what I'm betting right now. 162. Right. I'm gonna go with uh, my low number was 99, but I was like, I'm gonna go with 120 million dollars. 120 million, plain yeah. and low, low ball in the plain and low, mostly just because of what we've you and I have experienced with a theater going, what have you. Although. 
this has been a big, huge, this is going to be a huge movie. <laughs> it's, it's like the thing with winter legs is that, you know, it's less about the opening and more about how long it sustains itself. Cause it has a long runway at this point between now and like March to just make a lot of money. Right. The thing is James Cameron tends to make all the money. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh... I, I just looked up what kind of forever's opening weekend. I regret my number of one twenty one, but okay. all right, let's go with it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah, but um, I'm, I, I I'm not expecting uh, bad things to right. to go wrong as far as how much money this movie makes. There you go. Uh, but I, I do look forward to talking about it with you and with our guests. This should be a lot of fun because it's Avatar. There's plenty to go over. Plenty to go over with James Cameron. Um, so yeah. But that's next week's show. So that that's that for now. So until next time. So long and goodbye.